Easter, we are in the Gospel of John, and we have reached Thursday evening, the evening that Jesus celebrated the Passover, which became the Last Supper. And we're going to look this morning and this evening at this ceremony that Jesus undertakes for his disciples that we read of in the first half of John chapter 13. Jesus washes the feet of each of his disciples. Now, this was a normal practice in the land of Palestine because people would not have worn shoes and socks like we do. They would have worn sandals. And if you've ever been uh, to Israel, you will know that the roads are very dusty even today. And when a person would be a guest in another person's home, the task not of the master of the house, but of the servants would be to take a basin of water and to don a towel and to wash the feet of the guests. I was privileged to have my feet washed once when I was in India and I had a foot massage as well. I think it was just the washing that was being done here in John chapter 13. And it was unheard of for the master, the Lord, to be doing this task. And Jesus here is the Lord of the towel, if I can put it like that. So this morning we'll look at the Lord of the towel. There's only one Lord of the towel. And then this evening we will look at the people of the towel. So we want to look at two things here, two things. Jesus says something about the love of God, the Christian gospel. He says a statement, and then he gives us, in the foot washing, a symbol, a picture of the love of God. So I just want us to look at the statements, having loved his own, verse 1, who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and then we look at the picture, the symbol. Uh, so if you think of something similar, uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine, uh, that's a symbol, isn't it, of the gospel that we believe in. So this statement that Jesus makes, it's astounding. The love of Christ. I know, Andy, you preached on this in Malachi a few Sundays ago. Who can plumb the depths of the love of God in Jesus Christ? Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling in its fullness as a mighty ocean over me. But this is what the Christian message is all about. God so loved. God so loved. God so loved the world. Every one of us. But here we're told that Christ has a special love to his own children. Now, don't you want 
to know whether you are a child of God. Not everyone born into this world is a child of God. We are created by God. That, in one sense, makes us his offspring. But we must be born a second time in order to become children of God. It's not being born into a Christian family that makes us children of God. It's not uh, coming to church. Uh, It's not being baptized even that makes us born of God. We must believe in Jesus Christ in order to know this second birth. And what we want to look at here is this amazing love of Jesus Christ. Early in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, where you have Jesus saying to a religious man, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on to talk, not about being born again, but about the love of God. So the best way to experience being born of the Spirit is to focus on what God has done in sending Jesus Christ into the world. Having loved his own, loved, passed. When did Jesus Christ begin to love us? Was it when we were converted? Well, he loved, he loved me then, but he loved us before then. Was it when we were born? Well, yes, he loved us then, but he loved us before then. Was it when he was in this world 2,000 years ago? Well, yes, he loved us then, but it was before then. Was it when he was born in Bethlehem? Well, yes, he loved us then, but he loved us before then because the baby Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. But Jesus Christ is God as well. And so Jesus Christ is from before Bethlehem in that sense. And Jesus Christ created the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And by him all things were made. So did Jesus Christ love us when he created the world? Yes. But even before then, before time, he loved. He loved. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. God planned this way of salvation in Jesus Christ before time began. And then, of course, he loved when he came into this world. That's the reason he came. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. Um, Serene, I don't know, did you ever meet Mother Teresa when, when you were in Calcutta? Mother, Mother Teresa once, uh, she was in the streets of Calcutta and she saw a leper and she didn't just go near to this leper she touched this leper and she picked him up and somebody asked her why why do you want to do that 
she took this leper to her uh, house and she washed the leper and she looked after the leper and people asked her, why do you want to do that? What are you getting out of it? And she said, I'm not getting anything out of it. I just love, I just love. There's something free about love, isn't there? When Jesus Christ came into this world, it was love that moved him. There was nothing in us to attract him. Where did Jesus Christ grow up? Nazareth. Nazareth was the kind of place people would say it's got character. It's got character. Uh, When I uh, was a teacher, I taught up in the Rumney Valley. And there was a place right towards the top of the valley called Vochru. And we used to say, it's got character. It, <laughs> it was a rough place. Nazareth was a place like that. Jesus Christ so loved this world that he didn't live in the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. He lived in Nazareth. And what kind of people did he first call to be his disciples? You know the accounts, don't you? Who were some of the first men called? A tax collector. That was the lowest of the low in Jesus' society. They were the scum of the earth. Yet Jesus loved a tax collector. Peter. Simon Peter. We're going to come across him in a moment. Simon Peter, after this ceremony he's going to say that he never knew Jesus yet Jesus loves a Simon Peter a person who denies him Mary Magdalene another person I can mention a person that had seven demons in her Jesus loved her and Jesus can love you and can love me Love to the loveless shown. Do you know what Jesus was known as when he was here on earth? This was what his critics accused him of. But actually, it's really a wonderful nickname to have. They said he's the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yes, (laughs) that gives us hope, doesn't it? And Jesus loved especially when he went to that cross on the Friday. Do you know when Jesus loved you and me the most? He loved you the most when he was in your place on the cross. In my place condemned he stood That's when he remembered us. He loved us then because he was taking the weight of the burden of your sin and mine. And then when he rose from the dead Easter Sunday and ascended into heaven, that's where Jesus is now. And Jesus still loves us now. He hasn't forgotten us. He is remembering us. He is 
praying for us. Having loved his own, he loved them to the very end of his life, and he carries on loving. And the same is true of our life as well. If Jesus has set his love upon you, there never will be a time when he will stop loving you. We don't deserve his love, and even as Christians, we fail him, don't we? We let him down again and again and again, and he may hide his face from us, but he doesn't stop loving us. You know, the sun is out this morning, and we can feel a bit of the warmth of its rays, but the weather forecast today is that it's going to get hazier as the day progresses. That's Wales for you. And probably by tomorrow, it's going to be cloudy, but the sun is still going to be there, isn't it? The sun is still going to be uh, at the center of the solar system. It's just the clouds that have come between us and the sun. And it's like that with the love of Christ. The love of Christ, like the sun, never stops. It never changes. It's as strong today as it was when he first set his love upon you. But there are clouds that come between us and the love of Christ. When a couple gets married, what's the vow or part of the vow till death us do parts there is no till death us do parts in the relationship between a believer and Jesus Christ death enriches the relationship When we have weddings here, we, we've got a safe. I shouldn't be saying this, should I? We've got a safe in the vestry there. And in the safe, there's the marriage register. And we have the names of everybody who is married. And we use indelible ink to write the names on that register. Now, indelible means that will never be erased, never be erased. I'm sure it will be erased one day. It will be. The, the paper will rot. But if our names are written in the book of heaven, it will never be erased. My name from the palm of his hands, eternity will not erase. Praise God. Now, don't you want to be one of his children? Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. We've all probably known what it is to be disappointed in human relationships. Somebody may have loved us and that relationship uh, was broken and we may have uh, felt utterly let down. But it's not like that when it comes to Jesus Christ. Here is somebody who will always stick close to us. Here is somebody when others abandon us, he comes especially near. Don't you want somebody who's a soulmate, who will love you to the end, who will love you to the end of disappointment, who will love you to the end of sickness, who will love you to the end of bereavement, who will love you till the end of your own death, who will love you then when you cross over death into eternity. He will love you forever and forever. Don't you want that? 
One day we will all have to leave this world behind. I sometimes like visiting uh, graves. <laughs> do, do, do you like doing that? Visiting cemeteries to see what famous people are buried there. It will one day be your grave. Do we know that we are loved by Jesus Christ? Do we know where we are going when we leave this world behind? Do we know, not that we're just here because God has created us, but do we know that we are one of his? I am his and he is mine forever and forever. I just want to urge you, believe, believe. I can't believe, you say to me. I haven't got the strength to believe. I can understand that. But believing isn't about achieving. Believing is resting. If you don't have the power to believe, then rest on the power of Christ. That's faith. That's faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So there is this wonderful statement. I could say more, but we need to look now at the symbol here. The symbol. The actual foot washing is a picture of what Jesus has done in his love. Let's look at what he does here very quickly. He gets up. <laughs> Verse 2, supper being ended, Jesus gets up. Look at what is said about him. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Now, I know that's a big sentence, but what it means is this. Jesus knows exactly who he is. He knows that he's the Messiah. He knows that he's not just a perfect human being who's never, ever committed sin. He knows that he's the Son of God. He knows that he's the King of Kings. He knows that he's not just the master of the house, the upper room where they're gathered, but that he's the master of the universe. So he gets up. Now, you would have imagined that in getting up, he would have asserted his authority. But he does the opposite. He gets up to go down. He gets up to go down. This is our God. Do you want to know where to find God? Look at this universe. Look at the stars. Don't uh, lie on uh, a motorway... Uh, uh, middle of the motorway as two teenagers tried doing a few days ago to look at the stars. <laughs> look at the universe, the power of God. Look at the mountains, the greatness of God. But if you really want to find God, look, look. This is our God, the servant king. 
I, I want you to think this now as a picture, right? This is what Jesus Christ did in love. He rose from his seats just as he rose from his throne in heaven. And he goes down just as he came down from heaven into this world, into the Nazareth of this world, into this sin-sick world. He came with the helpless and hopeless to dwell. And then he takes off his outer garments just as he laid his glory by in heaven. He didn't stop becoming God when he became a man, but he laid his glory by. And then he dons a towel. He puts a towel around him just as he takes upon himself the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of somebody who is serving. And then what did he do? He takes a basin and he pours water into it in order to wash the feet of the disciples just as in a few hours time he's going to pour not water but his own precious blood in order to wash us from our sins now that's the gospel in miniature i, I remember uh, hearing uh, lindsey brown speaking in a conference a few years ago and he's had opportunities uh, to speak to a lot of people about Jesus Christ. And also his wife has had opportunities. And she was once being interviewed. Uh, I think it was on the radio. And there was a non-Christian uh, uh, being interviewed as well. And the, the non-Christian said to Mrs. Lindsay Brown, tell me, if there was a God, this is what I would have done. I would have come down into this world and sorted out the mess that we're in. That's what this non-Christian said. If, if I was God, that's what I would have done. And Mrs. Lindsay Brown said, that's what God has done. That's what Jesus Christ is doing here. As I said in the children's talk, we can't make ourselves right with God. One hymn writer said, Not the labours of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands. Could my tears, no respite, no, it won't wash, my tears won't wash away my sin. Could my zeal forever flow? It doesn't matter how busy I get, it won't make amends. Oh, for sin cannot atone. Sin has gone too deep. Thou must save, you must save. And you alone. There's only one Lord. Only one. And on that cross, he poured out his lifeblood so that we can be washed. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Simon Peter here. What a contradiction. Simon Peter is appalled at Jesus Christ, daring to wash his feet. He's basically saying, Lord, you can't do this. I'm offended that you, my Lord and Master, are stooping so low as to wash my feet. How strange. Peter is too humble to allow Jesus to wash his feet. Are you too humble here this morning to believe in Jesus Christ? And Jesus says to him, look, Peter, 
if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part in me. And then Peter swings to the other extreme, and he says, Lord, not my feet, all of me. But all I want to emphasize as I come to an end is this is a symbol of what Jesus did on the cross by taking our sins upon himself, shedding his blood, sacrificial blood. That blood and that blood alone can wash us from sin. Did, um, I don't know, did you visit Penarth yesterday on junior camp? Did you, did you go to Penarth? You went to Cardiff Bay. Well, the water is a bit clearer in Cardiff Bay, but if you ever go to the promenade in Penarth and look at the sea there, it's, it's not turquoise. <laughs> it's esturine. There's still a lot of brown in it. There's no point washing in that, is there? There's no point washing. I've got a sister who lives in Newquay in West Wales, and the water there is turquoise. There are dolphins there. And she likes to go swimming early every morning. She's into wild swimming. And when I told her there are people in Penarth who go out to swim early every morning, she says, what for? The water isn't clean enough. Listen, if you try to wash your sin in your own kind of water, it's just going to make you dirtier. It, when I was a boy, we, uh, you know, we, we weren't that well off. We, uh, we shared baths. I don't know if you used to do that. Um, maybe I would have a bath first and then leave the water so that my sister would have a bath afterwards, and then my mother would have a bath afterwards, and then my father. And by the time my poor father had a bath, the water was filthy. Now, it's not like that when it comes to the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't matter how many people have washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. There are 12 disciples here. One of them wasn't saved, Judas Iscariot. So that makes 11 disciples. 11 disciples believing in Jesus Christ, having their sins washed in his blood. It's still clean. It's still clean. How many people have been converted since the New Testament? How many people were saved in the Old Testament? We're talking not just millions, but billions upon billions of people. And today there are more people becoming Christians than ever before, not maybe in this country, but in other parts of the world. Has that stained the fountain filled with blood that Jesus opened on the cross? Not at all. That blood can still make whoever comes this morning clean. I, I don't know if, if you managed... To, we don't have showers in the church, do we? You d didn't have... Did you use the baptistry to wash this morning? <laughs> you can wash in another sense, right? I preached once about this in an old people's home and an elderly lady piped up, I've already had my bath. There's another bath to be had. There's another washing. Today, whoever you are, 
I've got to come to a finish. But today, come, come. You don't have to pay. Come, as you are. You may feel weak. That doesn't mean you can't come. It actually is the best qualification because Jesus says, depend on me, lean on me. You say, I'm too dirty, I'm too sinful. Pastor, if you know what I'm really like, I may live an outwardly respectable life, but my heart is filthy and deceitful. I say, come. Do you know Jesus washed Judas Iscariot's feet? The offer of forgiveness and love is to everybody. Everybody. Well... We'll look tonight at the people of the towel, what we're to be like if we have come to Jesus Christ. But the Lord of the towel, there's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. This is our God, the servant king. And come to him and cast yourself on him and know what it is to be washed clean and to be loved, not just now, but forever and ever for his name's sake the last hymn i hear thy welcome voice this talks about jesus's invitation that calls me lord to thee for washing cleansing in the blood that flowed on calvary and then the chorus may every one of us be able to sing this from our hearts i am coming lord coming not tomorrow not when you're older, not when you're better, but coming now to thee. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. And 523, if you're listening at home.
Father, what a paradox that we are able to glory in blood this morning, something that signifies death and shame, and yet for us, because it is the blood of Christ, uh, divine blood, it gives us hope and rejoicing, because that blood cleanses uh, what nothing else can do. It cleanses us from our sin and makes us white as snow. Lord, may we all be those who are washed in that blood. Father, we just pray that we would come now to Jesus Christ and know this blessed hope for our souls before it's too late. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.